RadioInfluence.com. All right, people, it is February. February is a very special month to a lot of people. It is Black History Month. Um, and I believe that we need to celebrate living history, not just mm. from our black friends, but our white friends, our brown friends. Um, and this guy is a new friend. I hope he believes that he is my friend. He is stuck with me, whether he likes it or not. <laughs> Ladies, gentlemen, children, everyone, Mr. Tone Trump. Hello. Oh, man, let's win. I'm in a building. I don't think I've ever said this before, but happy Black History Month world. Happy Black History Month. I don't think I've ever said that, but I'll start it. This will be a historical day in interview. I think because somebody like me, I feel like I embody Black History Month every single day. So I don't allow it to be like, like, you know what I mean? Like, let's be real. They give us the shortest, coldest month of the year. So I kind of I kind of want to celebrate it like in June and July and all around the year. So I don't I don't limit it to uh, February. But for the sake of, uh, you know, the time, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful time to be black. It's a beautiful time to be historic and, you know, happy Black History Month, everybody. But here's the thing. It is the shortest, coldest month, okay? Absolutely. But we're we're paying attention in February because January we're all doing these fake resolutions, right? Yeah. Later in the year, like June, July, we're partying. Summertime. I feel like we could be focused in February on whatever we want. So why not be focused on this? Beautiful spin. I love it. I, I, I'll run with that one now. <laughs> it's okay. the month of focus. So if people don't know who Tone Trump is, first of all, they're mm-hmm. jerks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we were, we, our friendship began right around the inauguration, right? And I was yep. like, who is this guy with Trump? And it does have to do with Trump, but not the Trump that we know in 2020, 2021, right? Right, right. Absolutely. It's old school well, Trump. It's old school Trump. Um, more so a homage to um, the flashiness, the business savvy, the mogul, you know, a lot of those things that I definitely embody and that I took on, not even knowing too much about him. When I first got the nickname Trump, I just knew the name from the awnings and different things in Atlantic City. You know, when you're growing up in Philly, Atlantic City is a kid in Philadelphia. Atlantic City is like our Vegas. As I've got older, Atlantic City is nowhere near Vegas because I've been to Vegas, obviously. But growing up on 54th Street, seeing those lights for the first time and the water and the beach and the gambling and the things I was exposed to at a very young age, it was like, wow. And when I would see Trump Plaza and Trump this and Trump Resort, I, I wasn't connecting it to like some like older super business mogul white guy from New York. I just saw, you know, the lights and the flash of Atlantic city and the people who named me that were just some big time gamblers from my neighborhood who just called me little Trump, you know, as, as a, as a homage to the the flashiness of AC. Now, as I begin to make it my entertainment name, I did more homework because I knew I would be asked about it. And at the time of my name, we like Donald Trump. And when I say we, I mean, as a people, as a culture, we liked it because as a culture, because we grow up poor, we're very, very attracted to wealth, you know, or what we perceive as wealth. That's something that we look up to right away. And a lot of times when you're young, you don't look at the morals of a person or their personal background or their religion or anything. You just see the first thing you see is Donald Trump. You see money, you see fame, you see success. And those are things I wanted to be connected to. Fast forward up to him being the president. Obviously, it's a whole different conversation. You know, me being because for those that don't know, not only am I black, but I'm also an American Muslim. So obviously my beliefs don't align with the the the, uh, the Donald Trump that we we grew to know, you know. And uh, yeah. 
So 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 it became a little weird a couple of years ago, especially when he was booming with the Muslim ban and stuff like that. I couldn't walk two steps without. Are you going to change your name? Why would you name yourself that? And I'm like, dude, I didn't name myself last week when he started to become <laughs> a jerk. You know what I mean? But I understand. I never took it too personal. And me being business business savvy, like my namesake, I used it to my advantage, opposed to making it something that was against me because. One, I'm a boss and I'm a dime. So nobody's going to do nothing to me or make me change my name. And two, being though I come from West Philly, I've always learned to turn a negative into a positive. That's a part of our survival mechanism just to live. So if I can't, I've survived being shot. I've survived being uh, born in poverty. I've survived being a child of a single mother. So the last thing I'm going to let crumble me is a little internet talk about like, why is this black Muslim at that calling itself Trump? I made it my name. My fans don't look at me and think about Donald Trump. No. Usually it's, it's usually it's new people who are just like, what's the Trump thing about? And then after I explain it, we good to go. You know, so that's the name thing right there. All right. So a couple things. The thing mm-hmm. that I love about you is like you are pure boss, 100 percent Don, making it, making moves. And you're not just making moves for yourself. You know, you're making moves for the people who need it. Right. So you've got like right. a sock drive. You're trying to get socks to people. You're mm-hmm. trying to show people, you know, how to be a good member of society in this community. Mm-hmm. And so Absolutely. as part of that, you know, we've talked a little bit about this. So I have a son. He is 15. OK. Right. He is the number one Travis Scott fan. Like right. and, and this, you know, when, when he hears your music, You'll forgive me, but you've got kids, right. you know. He's like, oh, I got, a, I, got a, I got a 14 year old. So yeah. I know. So like those the 14, 15 year olds, they think Tone Trump, they think, you know, Ice T, Ice Cube. That's like, you know, the Bee Gees or some shit. Right. They think that's right. old, which it is not old people. Right. 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 But the music that is here now, you know, I want to be in a car with my son and I want to be the mom that like allows him to play whatever he wants, because music is a great uh, you know, conversation piece, right? It is, it is, But yeah. the music he's listening to has the N-word in it. And by the way, it also has suck my this and smack my blood, you know, uh, you know, it, it, and I don't think that the right, so I said to my son, let's talk about that stuff first. So I said, we're in a car and the, and the guy <laughs> rapping, singing, talking, whatever, just said, suck my beep, okay? I'm like, you're mm-hmm. in a car with your mom. And he was like, it's a vibe, right? So right there, I know he's not celebrating sexual assault. He's not celebrating violence. He's celebrating, as you say, like the hustle, right? Like the vibe is like being aggressive, forward, owning your space. The the energy, just the swag and the the flyness of it. I definitely understand. I get that. So, you know, the N-word is every other verse and just a little bit of background you know meek mill so brody is in 10th grade when brody spring of eighth grade meek mill a big philly icon of the current era he had a concert at this new place called the met and i got Mm -hmm. some tickets and i said bro you can take whoever you want he took an italian kid from south philly and he took a black guy kid one of his friends from kindergarten from the burbs and i Mm -hmm. said as we go to this meek mill concert it's a white mom two white kids and an African-American. And again, they're in eighth grade. They're, it was young for Meek Mill, right? I mm-hmm. said, you cannot mouth the word when we're in there. You cannot say the word. There's going to be people with phones. And 
and we don't use the word in my home. Okay. And I've said to these people that live in my home, this word is so bad that we don't even, we have a, we have to say the letter of the word. We have to say the N word, right? That's right. how bad the word is in my home. And, and when the music comes on, you know, we got a Jeep in the summer. He wants to blast this music. And I'm like, I can't be in a light with him blasting music with the ace. Everyone knows I do these via Zoom. Trump is looking at me like I'm a crazy person. So really, as a white mom with a white kid, what the hell am I supposed to tell my kid about that word in all the music that he loves? I think just from what you just told me just now, you did, you did, your, you did your duty, having a conversation, giving him the caution signals, letting him know, being real with him, letting him know the, the reality of the conversation is the Brody is Brody. You may be down Wildwood, New Jersey, and nobody's offended by it, but you may make one left turn and you can be in Camden, New Jersey, and you can die over that word. So as a parent, we have to be very careful and mindful of that. And what happens is, I'll be honest with you, being a part of the culture, sometimes we kind of pick and choose who we allow to use it. So Okay, Brody pause be, right there. So uh -huh. in middle school, he said, one of his black friends said he can use the word. And I said to him, he does not per have permission to give you that right. Because again, they're in middle school, right? But there's phones everywhere. This is not like when we were in middle school. And he came home, he's like, so-and-so said I can use the word. And I'm like, you cannot use the word. So right. go ahead. So-and-so so won't be able to save him if he's at a Meek Mill concert and he says it in front of because so-and-so gave him permission in their circle. Right. You see what, you see what I'm saying? Because I, I was on, a, I, had a, I had a call the other day with a kid on FaceTime and he was from Palestinian descent. So he's still not, you know, he's not white, but he's not African-American. And as we're talking, he, he used the word a couple of times. And usually with me, I kind of, it's weird. It's like, sometimes I'm 50-50. I'm, I'm sometimes it may not bother me at all. And sometimes it'll be like, damn, like, yo, you said it like five times and you didn't even think that maybe, you know what I mean? So sometimes I kind of gauge when I want to check somebody. And I can tell when this person, this person was raised like it, I can tell he spoke the language. So it wasn't like, this guy wasn't talking because he heard a Meek Mill song. This kid was raised around nothing but African-Americans. It was clear in the way in the way he used it, the way it sounded. And, you know, one, one of the things, even in my faith, the prophet, um, peace and blessings be upon him, he spoke about speaking the language of the people. So for instance, like when, I, when I'm in Wajir, Kenya, you know, maybe I can't be out there saying John, like I can say in Philly, because they won't <laughs> know what I'm, that's not their language, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, you know, it's the, when I'm with my Arab, I have a lot of Arab friends, there's certain things that culturally that are acceptable that they may allow me to say around them in our little circle or our WhatsApp group and stuff like that, that I know damn well I shouldn't say if I'm on camera or if I'm, you know, or if I'm around some Arabs who don't know me and don't know how much I truly love them. So I think you having a conversation, first of all, is big and it's bold because most people just run from stuff like that. And I'll be honest with you, I'm one of those people that Maybe on a Monday at a concert, I won't be bothered by the white boy next to me sing, singing a song. Maybe, maybe I'll giggle and say he's singing a song. But maybe I had a bad day that morning. Maybe I got pulled over by the police, and now I'm saying this white boy said, and I'm saying after this concert, I'm going to make him pay for that. Or right now, I'm going to make him pay for that. And why take that chance is my thing. But here's the thing. You you're an artist. You don't know who, you don't know who you're going to bump into. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So it's like you got to be careful. You're talking about a whole, uh, uh, like his friendship circle and all that, which I love that. Right. I, like as a as a person that is buying Travis Scott expensive, stupid collab shit that he you know, like whatever I'm supporting him. You as an artist have the 
Like, why are these people putting that word in every song? Like, why? Because why is that word? It's our language. It's our language. It's our language. It's, it's just our language. So it's like it's tough to be like. Um, I made a transition a couple years ago that did not want to curse so much in my music. It was just a, it was just a growth. It was just a thing about growth for me. So, for instance, like I was just like I don't I, I wasn't comfortable no more calling women bitches in my music. It was something that was normal. It was normalized in my culture. It was. It, it was, you know, it was just what we did. And then at yeah. one point I was just like, I don't want to do that no more. I, I don't feel, you know, I, I thought it would be cool not to do it. So I got to find another word or whatever like that. And that doesn't mean I got to get on my high horse now and be like, this guy says bitch in his music. No, because that's still part of our culture and our language. So when Travis Scott uses it, where does it make sound? It's the language of the people. Travis Scott is saying in the most complimentary, powerful way ever. And we took the power of that word and we went like this with it and we made it our word. It's like, for instance, it's like if I, if I went to work at Fox, and you guys made a joke about my beard, right? And for the first two months, that joke was like making me a little salty. And then at some point I was like, you know what? I'm gonna turn that joke into like my power. So now when I walk in a break room and somebody says something about my beard and my rebuttal was a little swifter and a little different, now it becomes like, damn, it doesn't hurt him anymore. So maybe you guys don't do the beard jokes no more because I've turned that into my power and my kingdom. So now when when the clan or some real racist, not your child or no kid that loves hip hop, they try to use the N-word and we're like, so? It's like watching like some white racist on internet and she's N-word this, N-word that, N-word this. And we find a laugh in it because we took the power out that word. We're like, look at this evil, miserable, ugly old lady. You didn't hurt my feelings by calling me the N-word 50,000 times. You made yourself look stupid. You made yourself look ignorant. And we took in that word and that word, like in my house, and my car and with my friends, that's a word of endearment. If you're my N-word, you're my brother. Right. If you're not my N-word, you're not my brother. And as crazy as that shit may sound, but that's, we took the power. It goes back to me saying, being a people of the language. Now, don't get me wrong. I'll be honest with you. I had a situation the other day where it's, a, it's an Asian artist um, who's, who's closely affiliated to the Philly area. And this dude is cool with all the Philly rappers. He's He's a part of the culture. I can say that. And he was in his car previewing one of his new songs and it was just like N-word and N-word. And it made me feel really uncomfortable. Like I just didn't feel it that like that day, for whatever reason, it was like, I'm not too excited about you keep saying it, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I didn't grow up with Asians that were like my, my, my N-words. I just didn't. Now, see, the internet has made it us all one big family. That's why like when I was growing up, when I would go to Miami years and years ago, people would listen to me talking. They would almost look at me like, what did you just say? Because <laughs> Philly, we have like our own language. But because of the Internet, everybody hears how Philly talk because of somebody like Meek Mills. So Meek Mills has 20 million followers. So now people are privy to our language and our words. So when Meek Mills says, yo, y'all drawling, somebody in Oklahoma City now knows what drawling means. But 10 years ago, they would say, what, what you mean by drawing? I ain't writing nothing. I ain't drawing. But they know now. So now with certain things, when we let you guys in, it's kind of tough to be like, hey, Jen, come on in. You family, you family. And then I'm like, whoa, you family. But don't say that. Don't do this. And don't eat that. And don't wear this. And don't. You're like, well, what the fuck? I hear everybody. It's kind of tough. You know what I mean? But at the same time, if you're my true friend, like the Asian artist I'm speaking about, if I was to shoot him a DM and say, yo, bro, I'm a little uncomfortable. If he's really my N-word and really my brother, what's so like if you told me tomorrow, Hey, Tone, I don't like when you say this as a white woman. This makes me feel away. Why can't I just not do that? Like, why can't I care about you enough to be like, I don't get it. But, you know, I can't just be like, well, all your other white friends do it or you know, they're not offended. My no, other, I, I agree. A, I agree you know that like, I mean? uh, like honesty and communication is the only way. So, let, OK, so, you know, in Philly this summer and all over the world or the U.S., mm -hmm. you know, the the. the I don't want to call them riots because if you call it riots, then it makes pe the people 
they were protesting, right? Like civil unrest, civil civil unrest unrest is better. Okay. And I also think civil, whatever happened in DC was also terrible. So anyway, so uh, at the height of that, you know, people were like, you know, black people and white people were talking about black people who had been killed by cops, right? That's Mm -hmm. really what was going on. They were very mad and they were done pretending that it's okay to like care about it for three days, make it a hashtag and move on. Right. So I think whatever side you're on politically, black people were pissed that a black person got shot by a white cop. They black people and white people went crazy in Philly. Okay. That's happening. My family, we live in the suburbs of Philly. White kids in the suburbs started looking at all these text messages and Snapchats of these white kids singing songs with the n-word on snapchat because again let's go back they're high school kids they're feeling themselves they like a meek mill song they like you know uh uh you know Lil pump or whoever they're recording themselves singing their song just like we did you know when we were kids with our like vhs camera white kids found this and said these other white kids that were singing the songs that they had been singing for two years were racist. Mm. Now, again, I don't think any white kid, white adult, white person, regardless of whether you give us permission or not, should say that word. That's just me. Like, right. it's so, like I'm so against saying it that, you know, I've been in a room. Do you remember Jonesy, the radio girl, DJ? Oh, yeah. There? Oh, yeah. Yep. I was in a room with Jonesy and all her producers and an African-American photographer that we work with. They're throwing around the end. And they were like, yo, Jen's my aunt. Like, she's a little, you know, like, including me. Right? Right. I left the room because wow. I didn't want anyone five days from then, a year from then, being like Jen was in that room when that, when that word was being thrown around. That's as a white woman. That's how afraid I am of that word. That let me ask, let, let, let me let me let me ask you this though. Do you think that savvy comes from your media experience, or does that come from like where, where, where would that come from to have such? Because that's that's that takes a lot of strength to be like. Because even when you're in a room where you can see clearly they're allowing it for you to still be like, nah, something's not cool about that. Like, well, you know, where, where, I, where does I, that come from? I think it comes from. I'll tell you where it might. It, 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 Definitely as a child, I did not like that word. You know, and it was a different thing then. You know, it was definitely the hard ER. And mm-hmm. um, I did not like that. Uh, I've always believed in kindness, but not being boring. As you know, I'm a bit of a psycho. Um, <laughs> and then I will say, when I was in college, my parents moved to Taiwan. I definitely looked different than those people. They called me a round eye in Taiwan, mm. which was, you know, whatever. It wasn't like the N-word, but it definitely was like, whoa, we got eyes. Everyone's got eyes. And, you know, there's people who call Asian people slanty eyes in America. Like, I'm yeah, not one of those yeah. people. But anyway, and then I will say when I, my first TV job was in Laredo, Texas. And in Laredo, Texas, it's right on the border of Texas and Mexico. One of my friends, I heard her on the phone in Spanish say, no, no, no. She's cool. She's white, but she's cool. Okay. Basically, it was someone say a bunch of Hispanic people being like, we're not letting a white chick come to our party. And someone stood up for me as a white chick. And, you know, certainly I have never said I have never had to say the words. He's black, but he's cool. I've never wow. said that. I've right. never, I because I've definitely had to say, yo, he 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 white, but he cool, yo. Like I definitely shut had to up. Say, 
I did. I did. But anyway, I do think that feeling that I was different based on how I looked without having any representation. Experience. Like I, Experience. I walk in the front door with my mouth everywhere I go. Kind of like you, my friend. That's and right. the fact that I couldn't even walk into the front door and give them the full Jen mm. Frederick experience pissed me off. You felt that minority. You felt, see, but that's beautiful. Maybe that's part of it. I just, you know what it is? Like I watched the movie 42. Yeah, I, I will say this, you know, every year I get a little more anxious about the word and it's probably because of, I have kids, you know, I told Brody when they were in sixth grade, when he was in sixth grade, he's got this friend. And I said, just so you know, like now that you're starting to go to Wawa and stores and stuff, I'm like, you can't screw up when you're with your friend. I'm not going to say his name because he isn't here a part of this conversation, but right. I said, you know, you can't, I said, when you go into a Wawa with so-and-so don't make a mistake. And he was like, what do you mean? And again, he was like 11, he was little. And he goes, what do you mean? And I'm like, because there are white people that will look at your friend, even if you're the idiot that did it and blame him. And that's not mm-hmm. fair. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and then I remember when Brody, again, when he was probably like in first or second grades, he came home off the bus and he was like, someone says there's a word that's so terrible that it's just a letter. And we, we watched the movie 42 with, uh, is it Jackie Robinson? Jackie Robinson. And you know who said the N word to him? The Phillies. Yeah. It's the Phillies that yelled that word at that guy, that yep. hero, that legend, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it I think maybe was. like seeing that, I don't know. I, and again, with social media, like I, I, maybe part of it is I don't want my kids to be judged on set. You think about Mark Furman, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know that guy, but he definitely said that word. And mm-hmm. everyone in America, the only thing they know about that guy is that he said that word. Yep. Right? He, he could have did a million great. He's probably saved lives. He's done. I mean, come on, let's be honest. He was a yeah, cop for 60 years. He did some, he, at some point of his life, he helped a little black child. I'm sure at some point of his life, he did some great things, but that evil that was in him that was able to be exposed. Cause back then, see now that shit's so common now. Cause like you said, his cameras everywhere, but in the Mark Furman days, it was like, Ooh, we have proof. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. see, I'm a, one thing about me. It's like, I, I'll use Donald Trump as example. When you show me who you are, I can deal with it. What scares me is the people that wake up every day and are able to smile on my face because just like you, I live in the suburbs and the neighborhood I live in now, when I first moved there, they treated me, you know, you know, what was what bridged the gap for me? I'll be perfectly honest with you. When I appeared in Creed, literally like it was people who literally never said good morning to me. And so I guess their children probably said, Hey, that's the black guy two doors down. He's, he's in Rocky. Like he's, pretty cool or you know and then they investigated more who I was and if you saw our interactions now you would think I grew up with these people you know what I mean and, yeah. and I had to be I had to be growing up Jen they used to call the cops on me every day I moved to North Wells and McGo- I was I was about near Montgomeryville Mall it got to the point where the cop would pull up shaking his head almost apologizing to me one day in particular I'm sitting on my front this was the wildest shit ever I was reading a book like, and I don't, I'm not going to lie. I don't read the books a lot, but I'm literally out front reading the book. Was it Crazy Rich Asians or some shit? Nah, it was actually an autobiography on Ace Capone, a Philly <laughs> kingpin, a Philly drug. Yeah. Probably not the best book to be reading in Montgomeryville, but I was reading about Ace Capone and the cop was an older gentleman. It was two cop cars pulled up, one older, one younger. This is the North Wells, Montgomeryville police. No violence out here. Every call they get is usually some bullshit. You know, these guys. They don't got no stains on their uniforms. Let's just say they don't envy the Kensington Police Department at all. So these guys pull up and they're literally, we wind up having some dialogue. And I told them, I said, just think about this, y'all. I said, y'all just got a call about suspicion. I'm reading a book. 
I'm like, thanks how that makes me feel as a human being. Like I'm reading a book in front of my dream home that I worked my ass off to live in. That I'm so, you know, I didn't know what a cul-de-sac was till I moved in one. I didn't know what that word meant. Yeah. Somebody said to me, oh man, this is a beautiful cul-de-sac. And I was, and, and you know how, when you come from the hood, you never want to expose your hand. I didn't want them to know I didn't know what a cul-de-sac was. So I was, I couldn't wait till I left them to find out what was the cul-de-sac. So now, and then after I found it out, I'm putting this shit in raps now. I'm like bragging. <laughs> I'm like a cul-de-sac. You know what I'm saying? But I, did, I, did, I didn't know. And sometimes like you, you're doing something so beautiful because no matter what happens in Brody's future, he has something in his brain to go back to. Even if it's a bad thing, he'll say, damn, my mom told me. He may be in a situation where he something's going to click, where I meet a lot of people whose parents never had that conversation. Even my parents, as the greatest job as my mother did, my mother didn't equip me, you know, to, you know, to, uh, you know, to, I'll, I'll, I'll use this word, compete with others. Because I was blessed to be able to go to nicer schools than kids in my neighborhood. And the first thing I noticed when I went to school with white kids was how good they spoke. Because we were made to believe like talking white was like, prof- talking professional was talking white. So the first thing that stood out to me in my class, a girl read out loud and she sounds so brilliant to me. Like I was, so, so right away I said, I don't want to read out loud. Aww. Despite the fact that I, met a, I may have been smarter than this girl. I may have been a better reader, but because the way she pronounced and I was like, oh my God, it's, it was just the weirdest thing. I never forgot this all my life. I was like, she sound, to me, she sounded like a teacher. But she just really was just reading regular. But I come, I come from the hood. So I, I literally transferred. I went from the heart of the hood public school to this very nice private school, literally like a couple, like like not even a year apart. It was like during the year, like I got accepted and it was like a big deal. And they're like, yo, you're going to this great school. And everybody goes to college. They don't think about any of the cultural stuff. So I went from being in an all black school to being in this school now where it was less than 15 black people. And, and, I, and, and I've always been me, unapologetically loud and fashionable. And so I'm not the guy, I'm not, I'm not like, if you, I'll give you- Did you walk Prince, in with a fur coat to the new school, I hope? I walked in kind of like Will Smith in, in Bel Air. Like I, I, like I just, I made my uniform cooler. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm trying to sneak, wearing, they said no sneakers, but I'm trying to sneak the all black Jordans on because I want to be still me. And I got in trouble the first day. It was just like, whoa, it was like a reality check. But it also was education for me. And now, fat, like that's why, that's why I brought up what you teach in Brody now. Because by my mother taking a chance and sending me to that school, I'm able to have conversations now that most of my friends can't have. I'm able to sit in rooms now that most of my friends can't get into. Or if they're in them, they're very scared to talk because they feel how I felt in seventh grade. When they hear the CEO talk, they think, oh, I can't compete with that. But you really can. But you haven't had a chance to believe you could. So when I'm in these rooms now, like I've met with, you know, the, the guy that runs YouTube. I'm not talking about like the intern. I'm talking about the boss boss. So when I'm sitting with Lior Cohen, a Jewish businessman who's done a billion dollars in business the last 20 years, I can't go in there talking the language of 54th Street. I have to be able to talk a little bit of that language I learned at school in Fort Washington, Fort Washington, Pennsylvania, when I was at this inter-academic school. Now I'm referring back to Mr. Nelson's writing and thinking class. And I may use a word, like I may use one word, like I may use inquisitive instead of saying you ask a lot of questions and me being a black guy with tattoos on my face saying inquisitive they go like this now every interview i did when i first started i'll be even black people would say wow you really talk really good almost as if like that was like shocking to them literally my first interview so it's funny we're talking about oj um johnny cochran right that's my boy shout to johnny cochran i was working in buffalo new york and Mm -hmm. um uh, you know, a superstar TV personality in Buffalo, New York, that it was. Johnny Cochran, there was a mall, kind of like the King of Prussia Mall here in Philadelphia. And basically, I 
I'm sad to say it was, I think a woman was waiting by a bus because there was no like official bus uh, stop and she was run over um, because it was like a bad bus stop or something. She died. And so Johnny Cochran was representing this family. Again, it'd be like King of Prussia Mall. I don't think you can, maybe you can catch a bus. I don't know. It's on the side of a highway too. It's a similar thing. You know, there's like Neiman Marcus in there. And so they don't make a spot for the bus. Right. But anyway, right, this right. woman got run over. He was suing whoever, the mall, the bus company. I'm not sure. He goes and does this press conference. Okay. And no, he's with the family. Yeah. He's like with the family. They're doing like a TV thing. And he's got on the shittiest suit you've ever seen. It is like. Shitty. Like, look, that's, you got to, you got to translate shitty in a good way or shitty in a bad way. Bad. It was okay, like, bad way. <laughs> it was just like world be free is a Philadelphia guy. He wears an all purple suit, but it's the best all purple suit you've ever seen. So it's not like that, but it was definitely like, you know, not, to, uh, Johnny Cochran, right? It was mm-hmm. just like he. It was so bad that it, it, that it caught my attention, and I'm like, "What the? Did he like? Did he like not bring his luggage from L.A.? And it's because I'm watching this on a monitor because I'm going to interview him for like a talk show at, at the TV station. So like I'm watching him do this press conference because he's literally coming to me in the next hour, right? Right, right. And I'm like, I'm like someone, and again, I was like, I've been in the business maybe, I don't know, two, three years. And I'm, and I couldn't articulate that to the African-American woman on the assignment desk. Like someone needs to go get Johnny a suit, right? So he's got this shitty suit on. He does this press conference. You know, the family is very thankful that he's like, you know, Johnny Cochran is representing this Buffalo family. It's kind of out of sorts, right? Mm-hmm. He comes to the TV station, okay? He is on a different suit. He was wearing the uniform of the meeting that he was in. Like you yeah. say, he comes in in this fly looking suit because he's going to be right. on TV, right? That's right. And I am right. like, what in the name of crazy? I, I, seriously, I said to him, I'm like, buddy, do they just get your luggage? Like, what happened? Right? He's like, right. I dress for the people that I'm talking to. And I, I was just it. like blown away. I love it. I love it. And I don't it. think that's necessarily a black thing because I've seen like, uh, you it's know. It's a cultural thing. It's, it's a cultural but thing. white politicians do it too. Like you'll oh, see yeah. them. Or even think about Kate Middleton, the princess. Like she'll wear khakis when she's with like little kids. Yeah. You know, and then she'll wear a ball gown. But that, when I saw that Johnny Cochran shit, I was just like. College, college basketball coaches. One thing they do is they know that the youth right now are, are immense in footwear. So you got guy, you got seventy five year old white men that'll come into the home of a sixteen year old black kid. And they make sure they got on Jordan Elevens. They make sure they got on Steph Curry. They know right away. They'll have on khakis with a little polo button shirt up on. But best believe those sneakers are hip hop because it's a conversation starter and it's a common ground. So now when Mike Shashetsky is in Compton, California, trying to get this kid to go to the school, he knows they have nothing in common. But when that little boy looks at him and says, "Okay, coach, I see you got those J's on," and now. That's a whole conversation. Wait, piece. Coach, Coach K, Kagan. you think has on the good, the good Jays, the good Jordans? Well, well, he probably won't wear Jordans because Jordan went to North Carolina, but he'll have on some Kyrie Irvings. He'll have on some, you know what I mean? He'll have on one of his guys, but it'll be a dope conversational piece because it's like if I'm at the airport and the white guy next to me has on anything reminiscent of the hood, we're going to talk about it. No, it's just like if they, if they see me reading a book opposed to me just jamming to my AirPods, that book may have them say, hey, what you read? And now we get into an hour talk while we waiting for a fight opposed to nothing being that common ground. So it's, it, it, the language of the people doesn't just exist with your people. It's always me and you. When we met, when you talk about Brody, I can't help but to think about my son. So now we talking parent stuff this morning. We're like, 
you're like, quiet down. I'm like, man, I wish my kids would sleep right now. Let me let them stay asleep. You know what I mean? So we always have a common ground. So when we go back, let's to, just to stay on subject, yeah. why would we let that common ground be interrupted by something that if, if like you're not, you're, you, you've you've agreed to say, hey, I don't want to use that word. But if, if, if I'm talking to one of my friends, like the Asian guy, if I was to say to him, oh, bro, we got so much that I love about you, so much that we can we can be like this on. Why let that one thing, if I said to you as my brother, yo, dog, I think you could do a song without saying the N-word seven times. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. know, you know, you know, if you if you if you want to say it one time and you're referring to your black homie who you would die for, who you bailed out of jail and y'all are like this, maybe I could find some common ground. But I'll be honest with you. I know people that won't find that common ground and they may have you in a situation where you're gonna have to defend that and not just verbally, you may have to defend it physically. And why put yourself through that? Like if you told me, hey man. As white women, we don't like when you guys play like this. Whatever you fill in the blank with and say, why wouldn't I listen to you being that that's your culture to say, damn, what I need to check myself. You know, if, you okay, know so let's go back to Travis real quick. Let's wrap this, mm-hmm. let's wrap this part of the conversation up. Like, does he want white kids singing along to that word? I'm gonna be, let me be honest with you, Jen. And to be honest with you, more of Travis Scott's fans look like your son and look like I my know. son. Oh, you've been to a hip hop you know concert I mean? lately? There's not exactly. many of you. There's more well, of Well, you me. know, you, and one thing I tell people that that's with everything because our kids can't afford it. So, like, our kids can't afford that V loan. They can't go to Made in tra- America, right? They the can't. Big they festival can't. in Philly. Yeah, right. So, so when, when you don't see North Philly children there represented, it's not because. They don't want to be there. They love Travis Scott too, but we. It's like me growing up. I loved the Sixers growing up, but my mom couldn't afford for me to be at every game. So it's like I don't have all these memories of being at the Wells Fargo as a kid, and you know, being at the stadium. No, my memories are sitting my ass in my living room, which I could afford, and watching it on TV when they when the free games came on because I didn't have ESPN as a as a, as a youth. So for us, it's we we develop a different like appreciation, and, and for Travis Scott, Travis Scott, if he was to come out and say, hey all you white boys using the N-word in my songs, I don't want y'all to support my music. He can't live in Calabasas no more because those kids are paying his bills. You know what I mean? Like those, that's who should, Brody is streaming his song. How come he doesn't have a best friend being like, yo, Travis, like, let's just, like, or it's not just Travis Scott. I'm just using him because he's really collaborating. Well, you you, you know what will happen? You know, maybe Travis hasn't gotten to that point in his life. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it'll be a point where you never know what will happen because that, that light switch can happen at different times. Look at Kanye West, how much he's changed. Look at Jay-Z. Jay-Z, you think you think Jay-Z thought 20 years ago he would be meeting with uh, public uh, servants and presidents and yeah. royalty? And he didn't think that. So as you grow, you know, the thing, Jay-Z was rapping about cooking cocaine up 20 years ago. I'm sure if he's sitting with the queen of England, he's not going to be singing that song. So Oprah. we, we, we got to let Oprah, we got to let Travis Scott grow. And Travis Scott, somebody who's, uh, you know, he has children with white people and he's he's very... Travis Scott is more in tune probably with the white community than he is with the black community. I'll be honest with you. Like, so, so what am I, I doing with my Jeep? Am I blasting the music? Like I will blast Justin Bieber. Bieber. Am right. I blasting I, Travis Scott with that I, word? I think, one, I, I think one thing we can do is, you know, we can have a rule. Hey, hey, Brody, when you in a car with mom, we can bang Travis Scott, but let's bring the radio version. So we still got everything and they, they, they block out the N-word. They block out the curse words. That's like me, like, I can't, I, I, I'm a grown man and I wouldn't want to watch Power with my mom because I don't want to watch the sex scenes with my mom. You know what I mean? So like, and, and to this day, you know, one of the things my mom used to always tell me, she'd say, I'm so proud of you, but I can't play your music for nobody because you do all this cursing. So my, my mother would forget the N word. My mother's like, I'm not, I don't want to hear the N word, the F word, the S word. She don't want to hear none of that stuff. So that's but one of the cool things that you're cool with Brody was, listening to it and all of his friends. I'm cool with them listening to it. Yes, because I can't make them listen to something that's being made for them too. 
But am I cool with them being in the Jeep just screaming it out? No, I'm not. I'm not cool with that. And and like I said, that doesn't mean I'm going to want to shoot them. But at the same time, Please I know, I know people. Yeah, I know people that will though. I know people that maybe <laughs> and, and, and maybe shoot them is a little is a little extra. But I know that they could bump into the wrong person that'll say, "Yo, follow that Jeep." You know what I mean? Let's let, let's have some fun scaring the shit out of them. You never know. And and my thing is, if that can be avoided by just not saying a word in a song. Let's not do it. You know what I mean? Because I'm not going to no, sit here. If I'm thing. at the traffic light with you guys and I don't know Jen from Fox, I just see you with your kids. We might laugh at that. We might be like, yo, check them out. Because that, that's like a funny thing, like seeing like somebody you don't expect. That's like if you saw a car full of black kids listening to the Beach Boys or something. You oh, wait, plot tickled. twist. I got a plot mm-hmm. twist. So you just said, and you'll forgive me because we're friends and we're having an honest conversation. Yeah. You were judged for reading a book. People called the cops on you and it sucked. Now you're going to judge Broad for listening to a song that's really popular. Listen, and that's one thing I say when people used to always talk about this one's racist and that one's racist. I always say all of us have a little bit of something in us that we should be proud of, even accidentally. Like I I realized when when all the civil unrest was going on, I had to stop watching uh, the global news. I said, man, CNN is making me not like people that I love. CNN is making me question my love for people because the media you know, and, and I say this with all due respect because you're a media darling, but with the <laughs> the, 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 the media, you know, one of my good friends, Maj Teray, said the media, he, he uses the acronym most effective devil in America because the media can make you think what they want. It's like ESPN can control a narrative. If ESPN for two weeks says LeBron James is in clutch, after two weeks, you believe he is in clutch. You forget that this man has been clutch since he was six years old, up to 40 years old. He's been the most clutch human probably in the world. But if I'm told every day on my favorite sports show, he's not clutch, he's not clutch. After a while, I'm like, I'm in a barbershop saying, man, I love LeBron, but he ain't clutch. But here's the thing. This is what pisses me off about this whole the media thing, Mm -hmm. especially in 2020 and in 2021. Again, we're going back to OJ. We go back to OJ. He's driving a white Bronco around L.A. Mm -hmm. Everyone believes OJ is driving a a white. Did we ever see OJ or Al, whatever his name? We have no idea. That could have been. Jen and Tone in a white Bronco, right? Allegedly. Allegedly, (laughs) right? But they believe the shit out of that. Then you got Dr. Anthony Fauci, Governor Cuomo, on TV talking, saying the words from their body, and people are like, he didn't say that. (laughs) Same thing with this whole thing with the unrest. Like, CNN, Fox News Channel, they're not telling you how to think in these times. Certainly, you go, you watch Stephen A., he does a big speech about something and there's no video. But now the video is like the, the whole thing about the media creating a narrative. When the people with the Trump shirts stormed the Capitol, people on some TV stations were like, that's not real. Give me a break. It was well, there was no actors well, hired to do this. Well, we we I mean, I'll be honest. That's one of the reasons why I had to turn my TV off because I, start, I started to feel like one of those weirdos. I started to, like, I'll never forget the day of the, the, the alleged riots in West Philly, right? I was at the same shelter I met you at because I was actually supposed to do a feeding from 52nd and Market. This is how I found out about the riots. My phone started going on fire. I'm like, hello? Everybody's like, yo, you still doing a feed? And I'm like, why are you saying that? They said, turn on the news. I turn on the news and 52nd Street is on fire. Literally, like, I'm looking at, I'm looking at, I'm literally watching people I know in the middle of the street. I'm, I'm like, is that, I'm like, is that Kool-Aid? You know, I'm looking at my boys like. And you saw Kool Aid. <laughs> CNN didn't make that shit up. You know who Kool Aid is, and Kool Aid is on that street. Kool- I saw Kool Aid. I love you, Kool Aid. But the thing was, CNN didn't make it up. But let's be honest, Jen. When I watch CNN talk about 
those uh guys, those, those white kids who who, who charge the Capitol House. It, they made it sound different than Fox. I agree. So when I turn on Fox, Fox is like these patriots. You know, word, wording is very key. You know, you have these patriots who are so passionate. They, they use words like passionate. They don't use passionate and patriots if they look like me. That's just be real. They, right. they find other words to use. And those are the sneaky words that are being replaced because in the new generation, they don't call us N-words no more. They call us thugs and gangsters. And like, you know, like a gangster isn't some 4.0 college student that's at the White House saying no justice, no peace. That's not a gangster. That's a really good kid who's who's got all A's since kindergarten, who's just fighting for rights of justice. But now that person, because of the color of their skin, is a thug. Because because just because their sign, if your sign says Black Lives Matter, you're a thug. If your sign says MAGA, you're a patriot. And we got to be honest, the media plays a huge part in that. We do too. Everybody shares in the blame. The media gets the blame because you guys have such a huge platform. It's just like, I'll give you a perfect example. You interviewed me the other day talking about a sock drive, and my phone rang a little bit. But if we would have been on there talking about some beef or some bullshit, I would still be taking calls right now about. Yo, I heard you on Fox. You was dissing. If I was on Fox dissing Meek Mills, I would be doing interviews every day for a month about it. But because I was on Fox talking about helping the homeless, you know, you get a couple likes, you get a couple, hey, man, keep it up. But ain't nobody breaking my door down and do a follow-up story. But if I diss Meek Mills, every black blog would be wanting to talk to me, every BET.com, every, and, 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 and that's just the way of the world. Because guess what happens is in the era of, uh, a clickbait and so forth like yeah. that. Hey man, and that's not Jen's fault. That's not Fox's fault. That's the fault of the people because we've chose to, to what we consume. Yeah, you know what I want to know consume. what the hell's going on with Justin Bieber. And I want it to be, you know, not good. Like, now, I don't want right. to hear that he found Jesus. I want to hear that See? he got arrested with his friends right. and he's got more tattoos. It's right. and it's funny. I like what it's you fu- said. What I'm it's fucked up, away, but it's so real. It's so real. I, I'm going to take this away. We all have stuff in us that we're not proud of. By the way, we're both drinking Starbucks. We need to support another no, I, coffee I, I, shop. I, I, I'm, I'm fronting. I'm drinking some uh, some Lipton tea, but this is just my little cup. Oh, you're I'm trying to, to look. You're I'm trying to be good fancy for the audience. Like you, I'm trying to be fancy for you, right? This is my little <laughs> fancy thing for you. This is some little hood cheap tea inside of here. <laughs> well, here's what I say. I say we need to continue this conversation. And, and the key, the key to all of this is conversations like this because. Even when you told me we was going to talk about this, my brain started working. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm in a position of represent. I represent a lot of people who will never get a chance to talk to Jen and to get to talk to your audience. I have to speak for them. I have to be careful because I could have came over here and been like, hey, man, I don't mind. Use the N-word all day. Hey, whoop. and then you call me up and say, hey, guess what happened? You know, my son's friends got into a fight and I'm like, damn, you know what I mean? Maybe I could have did better. So for me, it's like, I want to give all sides of it and be real and be honest about it. I won't be on here acting like I'm a, you know, this black Panther, like, yo, if you use that word, you're a dead man. No, because I've been around. I got a, I got a Pakistani brother who's my brother. And if he says the N word, I don't jump and think he's in the clan. You know, I'll be honest with you. You know, at the same time, I don't, I don't think, I think he has enough common sense to not, you know, be slinging the N word around my mom or, you know what I mean? Around, you know, I think he knows that when we're in a studio, it's a little different if he's repeating a verse opposed to like being at a restaurant saying, yo, man, this N-word's late with my food. Like, oh, bro, like, you're getting a little too comfortable. I don't think, I think he has enough sense to know that. And if he didn't, I'm going to do like you did with your son. I'm going to use it for a teaching moment. You use that, you use, so it, it's a blessing almost. Travis Scott music was a blessing because it was in, in, it was a teaching moment that you were, your son's going to remember that at some moment that you're going to be so proud of. And it may be 30, he may be in a corporate office and he say, mom, you saved my ass today. How about this happening? 
and 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 my black coworkers were so impressed that you know the song came on because I would admire that if I'm sitting with a white dude and he's singing Little Wayne and I notice him blocking out the N word, I would say that's gangster to me. He cared about me enough, even if I didn't care, he thought enough of me to say something, 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 and block that word up because it can be done. Because I'm gonna tell you something: as much as I love Biggie and Tupac and all of that shit, I'm not blasting that in the car with my mother. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not blasting Pac, hit him up, and he's talking about effing somebody's wife in front of my mother. And I'm an all-the-way gangster. That's gangster respecting your mother. You know what I mean? That's gangster respecting your neighbor. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand anything about the Holocaust. But if my Jewish neighbor says, I had I had a line in one of my songs where I said, um, stack five million on some Jew shit. And I was I thought it was a compliment. Like, I'm stacking my money. Like, and um, Viacom, to be with them. And Viacom was like, yo, take that out. And at, and, at, and at the age I was at the time, I was like, yo, they so controlling that they won't even let me say a compliment. But at the age I'm at now, I'm like, yo, if that bothered one Jewish person, take that shit out the song. It's okay. I don't want to hurt one person's feelings. So a lot of it is about growth because when when they told, and, and keep in mind, this was for, for it to be on a, supposed to be a black network, which BET is really not a black network. It's not owned by black people, but this black network is telling me to take this line out. And, and, and I was offended because I'm like, yo, I can... Rap about N-words and blacks all day and you guys are just let me just do it. Like I can kill my neighbors. I can kill my opposition. I can kill the black guy in the projects. But once I said, I literally was saying, I'm going to save up $5 million like 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 a Jew. Like like thinking I'm saying something like respectful. Trump, like building an right. empire. Building an empire. But, you know, but, but it, 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 I'll use this as an example. The LGBT community, they are gangster. They don't play that shit. Like you can't joke about them. You can't. Like, they will end your shit. They will end you. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I wish my people can have that. And the reason why they're so strong is because they're so unified. When it comes to my people, even something like the N-word, we can't all get on the same page because you can interview four African-Americans and we're going to have four different answers. But if we go back, and I'll be honest, if you talk to, let's just say, my Jewish friends, they're going to have four probably of the same or similar answers. They're going to say, no, that's offensive. Don't play like that. Where, where we're going to be like, I got friends who don't give a fuck who says it. Like, hey, man, I don't care. Sing that shit. Say it. Whatever. It's not my problem. You know what I'm saying? I so we got to We got to We got to We got to have the conversation. We have to be unified. And as a people, we have to have some accountability before we tell you guys what you guys can or can't say. Like, we can't just be like, hey, this, that. Like, I can't give you a set of rules. And then your black neighbor has another set of rules. And your son's black friend's parents. Has another. You don't know what the hell to do. So well, that's we why I'm setting the rules. I have you the set rules. the rules. I, I you am, set the rules. I am the rules. That's there we go. We good then. <laughs> All right. I love you to pieces. Let's play TV again soon. Listen, man, I appreciate you so much. And um, every opportunity, like everything happens for a reason. You know, like in my faith, we have a saying that God, Allah is the best of all planners. Like this conversation helped me and it creates dialogue. Because when I hang this phone up, you know, it's a conversation. I have. My children go to kid, my, my children go to school with white kids. You know, my children, there's a lot of things, preconceived notions that I've had growing up that they just don't have. We're not like, all you know, Irish. My, right. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> and, 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 and you're not all, you know, you know, we were, you know, we get misguided and miseducated to think that all white people think certain things or feel certain ways. And that's just not true. Like you, you, you seem very genuine when you're saying like, yo, I don't like that word. I've talked to other people where I feel like they're just trying to appease black people by saying that. You know what no. I mean? So it's like the genuineness you have. And because of you being on the field, you work with people from all walks of lives. I feel like your method is the right way because it's like if it could possibly offend, then don't say it. Like for me, I know that if I speak on the Holocaust, I'm so uneducated that I can un- I can unintentionally hurt somebody's feelings. 
So I just won't say anything about it. I'll be respectful as possible and say, I know it was tragic. I have to educate myself more and I send love to everybody affected, opposed to anything that could just be, you know, any type of debatable or contrary. And same thing with the LBGT community. I don't know enough to speak about it. So the only thing I can do is be kind and be respectful. And I think if we all take on that mantra, we all be good. The big dime. Love you hey, man, to pieces. I love you, man. Yo, that's two. We two for two on classics, man. We two for two. So we, we, we got something to live up to for this third one. Next time I talk to you, got to be Super Bowl Sunday type of, uh, extravaganza. I agree. And, um, <laughs> you know, I'm available to be on any and all albums. Well, yeah. Hey, there we go. And also I'm doing something like, um, kind of like, I, don't, I didn't want to do a podcast because everybody's doing podcast. I'm actually in your world. I have a little news show I'm doing now. So I definitely would like to do something like this, like some type of Zoom thing. And I'll think it's something good to have you come on so we can kick it and talk. Maybe we even do a part two to this because this was so dope. Maybe I bring this on to my platform so we can just have the dialogue because dialogue is key. Thank Love you, it. Queen. Appreciate you. All right. All right. His name is Tone Trump. He's on Believe Instagram. That. He's on I'm Twitter. everywhere. He's on vinyl. He's on a CD. He's on Apple Music. I'm sure you're on. I'm everywhere. I'm, I'm certified. I'm verified. All they got to do is... Everything is just my name, T-O-N-E-T-R-U-M-P. Look for that blue check and that pretty face, and it's your boy, the die. <laughs> Peace out. This is a Live Bold and Boss Up Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Today we have an awesome guest, um, Sean Nugent here. What? One piece of advice would you give like a young entrepreneur who wants to start a new company or has that drive? What would you, what piece of advice would you give them in order to take that leap? Um, I think to the, the, the peer group to me is, um, you know, or, or if you can't, um, you know, join, join a peer group early on, just, you know, connecting with a mentor or someone that's, you know, been there and done that because there's just so many, I mean, you, as you guys know, there's just like so many, you know, you know, pitfalls you can avoid if you talk to someone that's, you know, been there and done that. And, and when you're growing something, it, it, um, you know, it's, uh, it's so hard. I mean, it's hard, like, you know, every day it's something else and, you know, you run into challenges and, um, and, you know, having a, a sounding board to, you know, to bounce ideas off of, especially in people in different industries, right? I mean, it's a lot of the same, the fundamentals are the same in, in business, but, um, to get that that perspective from somebody else, like in another industry, I think is is really helpful. So I do like Vistage and um, CEO Council, and uh, you know we're investors in the EDC. So I try to get in rooms where I'm around other people that have um, you know been there before, and, and try to build relationships with them. Live bold and boss up with Stephanie Marchese and Ashley Jiraki can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com.